0: You are listening to AI Ready Healthcare. I'm Anirban Mukhopadhyay, your host from Thieu Darmstadt, Germany. The purpose of AI Ready Healthcare is to connect the advanced technological knowledge of Mekai society to different stakeholders, such as clinicians, industry personnel, regulatory personnel, to name a few. You can expect Deep meaningful conversations about bringing AI into the real clinical routine. Opinion belongs to whoever said it. Anything said here is not medical advice. Together let's make healthcare AI ready. Frugal digitization for the last billion is Dr. Monica Sonu's passion. She believes in co-creation with all the stakeholders on board so that technology can be translated for the maximum value and benefit of the society. Do you want to learn more about what she is currently doing? Then please listen to the rest of the episode. Welcome to the sixth season of AI Ready Healthcare. I'm your host, Anirbhund. It is a pleasure to have with us today Dr. Monica Sonu. For simplicity, I will call her Monica from here on. Uh, so Monica is a physician by training and digital health entrepreneur by profession and profession, I guess, as well. She is the CEO of health innovation toolbox monica drives digitization of the operation models functions and workflows within hospitals and she is also in, interested in creating better patient experience in this digital ecosystem she has won many awards but i guess the most recent one would be the hims future 50 innovation leader which she won Back in 21. So, congratulations on that. And at the same time, welcome to the podcast, Monica.
1: Well, thank you so much, Anirban. It's such a pleasure meeting you. And thank you for this lovely introduction. Not much, but yeah, I have contributed to whatever possible from my end, you know, having seen the industry so closely, you know, practicing as a doctor, seeing the, you know, on floor gaps and requirements. Okay and uh, you know there was always an instinct you know to contribute more to healthcare to contribute more towards we people's life that's that was always a drive you know and yeah thank you thank you so much for this lovely introduction and uh, calling me on this podcast it's an honor anirban thank you so much
0: yeah it's really a pleasure to have you here as well and i guess our tradition always is to ask the becoming question how was your journey and how in particular you have such a very diverse and interesting journey not very common that people basically translates from one of these fields to others so how how was yours uh,
1: that's 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 something that comes to me very often actually and um, i must say that you know this, this is a very common question whenever someone turns entrepreneur whether you are a born entrepreneur or you're a, you're a made entrepreneur so well uh, mine goes you know as far as i remember anirban i always wanted to become a doctor okay uh, but again um, i'm a kid who's like growing in imagine uh, the india of uh, 80s and 90s okay So I I belong to a very, you know, rural part of India. I always say this story, okay, because I feel somewhat it's like kind of little inspiring in some way to the people who would be listening out there that, you know, I, I belong to a very, very rural part of India. You know, this was this very small town, which is like you can say it's in the heart of India, basically a mining zone. And uh, here my dad was posted uh, as an engineer, okay? So we all have to move there, okay, because of the livelihood, okay? And uh, to make you more familiar, like, you know, because we are talking to global audience, I'm sure everybody would have at some point of their, uh, you know, childhood would have, um, you know, read the book, uh, the Jungle Book, okay? So I would call it the land of Mowgli from the Jungle Book, you know? I was right there in that geography, Okay. And as I said, it was a very small world and not many people had, you know, all the luxuries of life. Somehow the basic necessities were provided, you know, and uh, definitely uh, at that point, healthcare was something which was uh, the need of the society. You know, even I remember... Like, even if we used to get sick, how difficult it was to get an access to a general physician, you know, who could see you uh, at the right time and, you know, prescribe you the right medicine. So all these things were like kind of triggering factors, you know, and I, I, I literally saw people walk miles to see a doctor and, you know, how doctors were treated as someone like, you know, almost like a demigod in the society. Okay. So I was definitely determined to become one. I thought like, you know, yeah, I should become one because these are the people who are much, much needed in the society. And uh, somehow with all these growing up, you know, my future was kind of getting sculpted with the, you know, the memories and the environmental factor that I was going through, even without my realization. So that's how I ended up becoming a doctor. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Thanks so much. It's it's funny. I I guess at some point I should make the bare necessities joke (laughs) about your growing up, but healthcare and healthcare access is such an important topic beyond the, how to say, beyond the global north. And people don't even realize how difficult simple things can get who didn't actually like how to say lived there, who always had a sort of helicopter vision about uh, global health by reading global health journals. And okay, of course, there are others who don't even read those. But this is really something, I guess, that drives your entire mindset if you have gone through such an experience while growing up. The first part of it was very clear, right? So why you would want to be a clinician, why you want to study what you studied. But then you sort of made this switch from clinic to med tech, med tech management. That's something, of course, again, is a very rare thing. So how did that happen?
1: If you really ask me as of now, currently, if if we really talk about 2020 and beyond, you know, we wouldn't see many clinicians turning into entrepreneurs or getting into health tech, but the point where I decided to move into this, uh, you know, the switch uh, of my career was not, uh, as you said, it was not very easy and it was not very, uh, you know, it was not a common thing, I would say. Okay, so it's it's been more than 15 years in the healthcare industry for me now, uh, you know, practicing as a doctor and, you know, then, you know, there was this crossroad, you know how should I confess it? I was not fully into what I was doing to be, uh, you know, in a very straightforward to you. And again, you know, there were like certain aspirations, uh, you know, which I wanted to fulfill. And, you know, I, I just thought, as I said, in the start, at the start of the interview that, you know, I was touching a few hundred lives then, and I wanted in future to impact millions. Okay. And, uh, switching your profession, when you're almost in the end of your twenties, was not an easy decision for me, um, yeah, you know. Take it, and um, I, I knew that this transition would take long, and it was almost like redrawing my career canvas. Okay, uh, but I was determined for this shift, and I, I prepared myself. It's not like you know I suddenly jumped out of you know one profession and you know just thought that I would be you know easily accepted into the other one. You know I. I studied for it. I w- went on for my further studied uh, studies. And the best part is I was the mother of like a one-year-old kid at that point of time. And I had, you know, I had to struggle. I had my share of struggle in this switch. And definitely the, you know, my interest in healthcare reforms and innovation at, you know, at that point of time were the, you know, few drivers, be- be, you know, behind this choice. And I believe that, you know, changes are required and, you know, we need to challenge the system in some or the other way, you know, so that, you know, we can improve processes, we can bring healthcare to more people, you know, and, and definitely, you know, contribute my share to solve some of the wicked problems in healthcare. And at that point of time, I'm talking almost a decade back, okay, healthcare was hot then, and I would say it's still hot, but... I knew that, you know, some kind of, you know, I was swarming in the middle of digital evolution and revolution in healthcare with uh, the new accessorized me, the new, you know, with the new education that uh, I got. And I knew that this journey is going to be very exciting and meaningful, both professionally and personally. And I think today, uh, talking to you, I I must say that I do not, you know, I just go for every bit of it. I I love the choice that I made a decade back. Yeah.
0: I guess one was, one thing was very interesting that you mentioned that, of course, the personal struggle. I, yeah, I have a two-year-old, so I know when you say what one, like having one year old and trying to switch your career from something which like you are basically trained to something in which you have. Little training, and the entire industry is rather alien, very different. But now, if I just think about it, you also mentioned multiple times about re-educating yourself to really make these transitions. In a way, if I think about really the the let's say the big, major uh, university hospitals in let's say, B T U S, Johns Hopkins, etc or even in europe strasbourg munich berlin heidelberg you can talk about all these major and many others of course i'm missing but my point is that entrepreneurship healthcare and technology that it will that will come together there are leaders who have sort of realized it i don't know 80s 90s and they have made centers where people like the next generation, those who are interested, they are trained in sort of this cross-disciplinary thinking, whereas India, both of us are aware of India and we have this, how to say, strong cultural shift of either you go to engineering or you go to medicine and these fields should not talk to each other forever. how was your re-education process? What really had to go through to re- re-educate yourself in this transition?
1: First of all, I had to learn the basics of the industry. Okay, now I have seen the industry as a doctor. I have seen the industry when I talk to patient one and one, take the medical history, do the diagnosis, take you know do the differential diagnosis, prescribe the treatment. That's one part of my being a professional healthcare. Then the other part was. Now, how do you know the system? So for that, I, mm, I took up uh, uh, you know master's in health operations. Operations is something which is very, very key. you know it's, it's the word for, if you want to know any industry, you have to know how it runs, all the aspects of it, the clinical aspects of it, the operational, the non-clinical aspects of it, how the backside works, how the supply chain works, how the different systems talk to each other. What is that, you know, the technologies which is introduced in that system? So for that, I had, I had you know, I had the opportunity to study in one of the most uh, respected uh, universities in Europe. That's Cranfield. And um, after that, I just thought that, you know, just knowing our industry is not enough. It's, it's very, very important to learn even from other industries. And for that, I went into IAM. And there I got a flavor of other industries, because, you know, uh, as we all know, when it comes to healthcare, it's a highly regulated industry. And, you know, all the things that you persuade healthcare to take, it's not that easily adopted and taken, but they have their own things to measure and evaluate and build evidences. And then probably they'll accept something. But digitization was at that point of time, very rampant. And, you know, it was, you know, really going at its peak, at its peak in other industries. So. I, I got a you know very nice opportunity to learn about other industries and at that point of time we could you know uh, the, the picture were very clear in my mind like you know what all changes could be brought easily to healthcare because whenever we talk about healthcare our you know all of our minds you know be physicians front lines the healthcare providers anyone it's it's basically you know most of the time it's stuck in on most of the vertical innovations you know how do we do the robotic surgery what's the you know, the best, uh, uh, you know, IVF treatment or something like that, you know, so something which is related to the vertical innovations in healthcare. But when it comes to the horizontal innovations in healthcare, where other industries are taking a lot of advantage with, uh, we somehow become a little skeptic. So yeah, that kind of gap assessment, comparing it with other industries, it it helped me a lot, Anurban. And I think, you know, as soon as I was out of, um, you know, my IIM, I was very keen to start something of my own okay and uh, uh, I just uh, thought like you know okay fine let me work for some time I work for Apollo Hospital uh, in Bangalore itself and uh, you know after some time like in 2013 I guess I started my own company so there my entrepreneurial journey started in healthcare and this is where I am today.
0: One thing that was really interesting is that you already mentioned that you had to go out of india really to learn about the health operations to come back and then innovate in the local structure of india so that was really quite fascinating but if i think about the other other part where you are really talking about your journey that started in 2013 and maybe way earlier than that you realized that this digitization in healthcare Will be a massive thing, and it's not avoid like it's not something that is a fad, right? So it's gonna stay, and the entire thing will happen like that. Yeah. But from that twenty thirteen onward, I mean, as a society growing up in India, I would say we are fairly open in terms of adopting technology. So that's a very different thing that often, that is very different, for example, compared to the West. But at the same time, we we have this. Of course, there are infrastructural problems and stuff like that. But what is also really interesting is that since pandemic happened, a lot of thing has shifted at the societal level and it sort of accelerated the the approach towards uh, digitization when people are talking about healthcare access. So can you tell us a little bit of what you really had to unlearn during this particular transition?
1: Yeah, I should say, Anirvan, definitely COVID is one of the biggest catapult, you know, to the digital health economy and the healthcare industry as a whole. Lot of perceptions, I would say, were broken. <laughs> okay, we were growing, and like we can clearly divide, you know, the two eras now. It's like the pre-pandemic and the post-pandemic. However, it's still going on, but still, let us for the sake of it, let's call it a post-pandemic era. Let's assume that it's almost like kind of diminished, and we are like kind of prepared for the future. So I must say that there is a lot of accept acceptability and it has not come like out of just one day it's it's the society which has been trained by other industries okay the other industry say for example take for example retail we have been doing retail shopping online retail shopping like for for years together say for example e wallets you know your your payments your payment it's it's such a, a huge success in india e wallets okay take for example people like right now if i go outside my house i can just scan uh, a coconut water and take the coconut water. Forget about bigger transaction. We do transaction of like a dollar, half, you know, few cents. Just compare it that way. And it's it's not just here. Sure, like I'm sitting in Bangalore and I'm talking about this. It's like you go to the rural most part of country and there also you see those kind of you know transactions and those kind of acceptability. So when the COVID came i would say that it's it it was not something which was a jolt like suddenly you have to talk to a doctor online they have been doing this but the need you know the need like kind of it's it was necessitated by the people that you know they avoid the the social contact they be confined the, the you know the the confinement was there and people follow the laws so yeah it it's a kind of thing which was accepted because we were already getting prepared by this digitization in other parts of our life or other, you know, daily chores or daily activities of our lives. I would say that as a company, I would say we were always frugal and <laughs> Okay. And apart from the, the on-site visits to the hospital, nothing was that much affected still if you see if you go to health innovation toolbox if you see the company website it's still like there are 10 different members so they're sitting in 10, 10 different geographies okay so we are already you know we have set up a process that we work that way
0: yeah definitely no that was really interesting that you are already into a remote work culture yeah. before it even became yeah. a let's say global culture so that that's yeah. really a very interesting thing and I guess if you already have that in mindset you'd already know how to work during pandemic, before pandemic, so you definitely had an edge there. You are also working on particular about the digital health, telehealth ecosystem for, I would say, roughly a decade now, right? So before we go into the artificial intelligence and the transition, can you just give us a brief background of the current telehealth, digital health ecosystem of India that we have?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, This is a very uh, exciting question, actually, for me, you know, take, for example, 2015, you know, uh, the government of India launched this uh, digital India campaign. And this is where I'm coming from, actually, you know, the basically the idea was to make us a knowledge economy, Okay, where we have easy access to information, easy access to services, governance, etc. Again, let's go to some data. Then we have become the second fastest adopter of digital services, as you know. And in this new India, again, the future looks very fascinating, you know, where we have almost uh, half a billion Internet users and we have a potential to, you know, unlock uh, an economic value of one trillion dollars. So that's that's something very, very huge. You know, I, I was just saying this before you asked this question. So it's like we do almost 100 million digital transactions daily. So, just imagine, you know. So, all these advances in technology are kind of interrelated. That's what I was trying to tell. Okay, and consumers are becoming more demanding, and you know, they they're used to these technologies in every interaction in a day to day lives. You know, if my phone doesn't work for e-payment or e-wallet or something, uh, uh, you know, it really upsets me. So that it has gone to that extent. Okay, I have forgotten like what cash looks like. It's something like that. So, and then. Came the COVID, and as I said, it gave the biggest push to the much required digital transformation in the healthcare sector in India. Okay. Before that, I would say healthcare was not that much at the center stage. You know, if you compare again pre pandemic era, it was not that important. But suddenly, and specifically after the second wave uh, hit India, it was, uh, you know, the impact was like huge. Okay. And everybody, we're like kind of together and very serious to deal with this matter. You We are talking about 1.38 billion uh, people here. Okay, so it's not easy. It's like some 20 countries together, area-wise plus population-wise. So it's not easy, but still. We somehow managed, so that's something uh, very commendable, okay. If I talk about numbers, then this, uh, you must be knowing about this, uh, you know, government-led national teleservice, eSanjivani. And just uh, recently, I was reading the report that it has clocked 80 million teleconsultations so far. So, it's a huge number, Anirban, okay. And I must say that these initiatives from the center, you know, it has gained immense popularity because people are coming. Okay, people are coming to the platform and take they're taking services. Okay, and uh, I must say that in less than three years, uh, this initiative became the you know world's largest government-led owned telemedicine platform. So that that says something, right? That people are like kind of I I would not it's it's ripe for the the market is like kind of ripe for all these uh, digital transitions. The best part is like, you know, these things are rolled out, keeping in mind the urban and the rural divide that we see. There are two Indias here, okay, that we have to talk about, okay. One is the uh, urban India and one is the rural India, which, you know, again, encompasses the, the large masses compared to the urban India. So we have to take them in consideration, Fully, you know, whenever we are talking about any digital transformation or any, you know, technology assisted services in the country. Okay. So these kind of systems, you know, through Ayushman Bharat scheme were able to, you know, assist these people. And uh, these, you know, digital approaches kind of tackle the excess affordability and quality issues, but we have to build more evidences. Okay. And the best part is that the, these technologies are de- dependent on, again, the horizontal innovations. As I said, you the smartphones, which people are using the tablets, laptops, you know, and it connected like kind of doctors giving consultation to the patients who are even in the kind of an inaccessible un- zone. And, you know, where they have very less Internet connection, but still they are able to see the doctor. OK, so I'm very optimistic about the future of these telehealth services in India and urban. And uh, now our move should be, you know, it's its slow, okay, but it should be trusted by different players in the ecosystem, okay? We have to bring in, you know, small players, clinics, individual doctors, consumers and patients using these platforms. So I, I think a lot of it goes to the pandemic and we should not stop here, but these things should continue at a steady pace. Yeah.
0: That's really... I would say a great success story in terms of the numbers, the sheer numbers you are talking about that 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 volume that telehealth and in particular digital health that we are able to how to say scale up in such a magnitude is sort of unheard of in in the healthcare access, basically in, in any other format. So I guess if we are talking about such an infrastructure which is I guess developing every day, right? So and innovation happens there rather fast as long as you don't have to go through the entire cycle of being approved, etc. I guess in that sort of ecosystem, what do you think are the most, how to say, most low-hanging fruit where technologies such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning can bring most value?
1: Yeah. I think technologies like artificial intelligence, you know, for We have to be ready for that, Anirban. Okay, it will not come like by itself. We have to be ready with all the building blocks, all the building blocks of digitization in terms of healthcare must be ready. We must be ready. We should know like what kind of data we are collecting, what data are going to make sense for us, for the future, you know, things like future prediction of diseases or say, for example, tackling another pandemic like COVID-19 in the future. So I, I think the the low-hanging fruits could be being someone who's seen healthcare so closely, the low-hanging fruits could be something like which deals first with the non-clinical areas, okay, which supports your operational efficiency, which supports your supply chains, which supports your anything and everything that kind of do not go into the clinical side head away. First, you try and test, go slow, build evidence, you know, pilot, scale up, test, pilot, scale up, reiterate, you know, that should be the mantra, I must say, and touch the areas which are not directly related to the patient's, you know, life, okay? Once you are building your evidences towards, you know, all these non-clinical and operational areas, they're all always, you can move on to, you know, the low hanging side of the clinical areas, okay? Again, you can work something like, you know, the virtual assistants or, you know, telehealth, telepresence, medical records management, etc. These are some very, very low hanging fruits. And the best part is most of the gaps in healthcare exist because of these inefficiencies. You know, that's the thing. Okay. It's not something that, you know, we are having, I don't know, I can't comment on that because we don't have a database as of now as a country that, you know, what are the, uh, rate of error in terms of clinical diagnosis etc but uh, again i would say that the first emphasis should be paid towards the non, uh, you know, towards the operational side on everyone those are the low hanging fruits and uh, i think covid has taught us many things you know we have curbed you know so many things predictions disease predictions spread areas you know containment zones we have uh, curbed infodemia with with the help of this vaccine development, you know, the, the things which took like years to complete, we have, you know, really done it like really fast. And I think this, all these use cases and, you know, these scenarios would have like, uh, have kind of built trust in AI and it's time to move more with it, uh, you know, of course, with a caution. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's really a very interesting thing that you mentioned. I I think I'm. This is the sixth season, and nobody before you ever really discussed about the fact that we can actually bring a lot more value in basically non-clinical operational problems. A lot of the inefficiency in clinic is due to those inefficiencies. That's a very operational approach that you have that's a really different insight because most often we talk about those who do not have access to care how can we bring that because i guess that's also something that is everybody wants to hear but this is something that is really a valuable lesson for all those young entrepreneurs and uh, uh, researchers who are working on this field to to think about so i guess At the start, we already mentioned about your company, Health Innovation Toolbox, and you are working as, of course, you are the founder, the CEO of that company, and you are there for for some time now, definitely more than three years, which which is, of course, already a congratulations to that. Thank you so (laughs) much. You survived. So can you tell us briefly, what do you actually do?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for this question, Anirvan. We survived because we were always frugal. That's how if you go to the company website, it says we are always in the beta. You know, the changes, you know, the agility that this company has adopted right from the beginning. You know, as I said, we started back in 2013 and it's been like it's 2022 now uh, going to 2023. So, you know, we started as a consulting firm, uh, Anirban, okay, and at that point of time, I'll not go too much, uh, you know, too deep into this, but at that point of time, we were covering multiple industries, but then in um, 2018, we just thought that, you know, so since we are, uh, you know, we have seen so much of healthcare in different geographies, then why not, you know, segregate this healthcare wing as health innovation toolbox, okay, so now if you if i say about health innovation toolbox it's a health technology innovation and a product design firm and uh, it's it's not that you know suddenly you know right from the beginning we have come in technology not at all okay we started by learning from the industry being a lot into the consulting and i feel myself and my team feel like really blessed that you know we have seen different healthcare systems because our uh, target geographies are uh, Different geographies at one point of time, if we are taking a project in Africa or doing something in India, then we have something in Europe too. So that gives, you know, like a kind of flash in front of you, like what's happening in like three zones, right? At one time. So that makes us very, very, um, uh, you know, honored uh, to work with all these partners. And that has actually gained us a lot of experience in healthcare. Okay. So uh, right now, if you, uh, if I really tell you about what health, health innovation Toolbox does, you know, we are working on projects related to chronic care management. As I said, you, you know, we we build digital health platforms for different stakeholders, and uh, very soon we are also coming up with our own line of products, which is again, uh, it's still it's, it's still in stealth. But let me reveal it here. Okay, I'm not said that you know anywhere else, but yeah, it's uh, it's in stealth, and we would come very soon a line of product which is focused on chronic disease management. Okay, so that's something that we are doing right now. Apart from that, uh, we really believe in doing um, frugal innovations with local healthcare partners and urban, okay? That's something that uh, we really intend to do as a company. We do not want anyone to say, come to us and say like, see, we cannot digitize because we cannot afford it that's something that we want to achieve. Okay. We want to make digitization very pocket friendly, very frugal, and something uh, that's, uh, that's very, uh, that gels with the geography. Okay. Uh, Though a lot of people say that, you know, healthcare problems are the same everywhere, but uh, I do not completely agree to this. Okay. You have different cultures, you have different uh, agendas. Okay. You have different things that you have to consider when you go to e geography the problem of one geography might not be the similar you know same it it might be health you know it might be a female health it might be a female health but say for example it's a female health and we are trying to touch female health with the help of digitization this female health will be different in India if I compare it to say for example you're in Germany okay it'll be different our problems would be a little different okay again if I compare it with a country like uh, Rwanda it would be different if I again go to Middle East it would be different so we have to you know uh, include these cultural aspects even in technology and that's the best part I love to do that you know and my my team and i'm so happy to have my team who have such a thorough understanding in the clinical aspects and the operational aspects so you know we just try to take such challenging projects you know some some of the latest projects that we are doing is like you know the counterfeit drugs in africa so we are building a platform that solves the problem of counterfeit drugs in africa so what i want to say here Anirban, you know the the length and width of the project that we take it's really not just one but we try to understand the system and then suggest the technologies accordingly. So this is what Health Innovation Toolbox does. Yeah, thank yeah, you. you
0: really summarized very well the sort of length and breadth of the innovation that you do. And I mean, I can't agree enough with you that it's not the same problem, I guess, Like health is basically healthcare is so intensely human that we are talking about societies and sub societies within that. And even if you are talking about the exact same diagnostic disease, how it manifests across societies is so different that we can't think of one solution for all it's not always the the medication as well right so things are very different prevention looks different the public health strategies look different how people actually go to the access uh, of the care how early they get access to care all these are different so yeah so one solution fits all is not really Mm. the way to go about it what was also very interesting from your entire perspective was how many times you said frugal i i wish i should have noted it down
1: i love that I word was, uh, i love that word anirvan i love that <laughs> word because that's something that healthcare needs okay that's something absolutely
0: that and it, it and the great thing of that particular word is that frugal digitization is important no matter which part of the world you go even yeah. in the uh, economic north, even in North America or like Western Europe, it's not like healthcare has a lot of money. Sure, healthcare gets more money, but you still have to, like if you are really breaking it down with disease, with particular departments, the chain, then you will see it's not at all a lot of money. So I guess you already mentioned that you walked across multiple Uh, let's say, geographic locations, multiple societies. And then, of course, you are talking about with multiple stakeholders, right? And they actually shape the consultation, the technology that you are are trying to build together. So can you tell us how to say uh, for those who are early in their career and try to know how to even talk to those who do not necessarily understand your perspective or they don't even know your terminologies how to really make a successful communication to that kind of stakeholders
1: ah that's something very difficult under um, i must confess that okay and yes you were saying that i spoke a lot of time frugal uh, yes that's one of my favorite words when it comes to healthcare. we have to be frugal because you know we are not talking about the you know we we, we are most of the time as a company we are talking about the last billion okay who must have their share of health and it cannot be denied at any cost to them because they cannot afford them okay the 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 healthcare technologies or whatever healthcare services okay so that's the agenda here I must say and not just the frugal word I also love when you're asking me how to convince so I also love the word Called co-creation and this 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 is very important co-creation collaboration and open innovation. I think these are the words in healthcare. And whenever you are trying to convince someone, you know it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult because you are talking about healthcare. As I said, it's a very guarded. It's a very guarded industry, and there are multiple things like you know data protection and and, and to my surprise, okay. Uh, I really get very surprised even when I talk to some of the stakeholders who belong to some of the very rural most parts of the world. And even they know about this, okay, that these things are very important in healthcare. So that's the power of, uh, what shall I say, the power of content that has reached to millions. And whenever you try to propose your solution or try to propose something that might help their needs to fill the gaps, you have to literally convince them deep down to the granular level okay like what value adds you are going to provide them as a pro, you know as someone who's like you know working as a partner or a technology partner believe me nobody is going to take your solution <laughs> it doesn't matter what technology is behind that until unless it's solving their their biggest pain points okay everybody wants to solve their biggest pain points okay they are really not worried where, whether you are using a blockchain behind it, whether you are using uh, artificial intelligence, you know, or whether you are using a computer vision, they're, they're not really into it. Okay, what they want to know is like, what is the impact that the technology is going to make on my organization, on my patients, on my front lines? That's something that all of them want to know. And they're very, very you know, serious about the facts, as I already said, like about the data protection, where the data will be, who will hold the data, who will be the owner of the data, you know, what you will do out of this data. So all these things, people are very, very accessorized nowadays. And so you ask me how to convince them is to be honest, to be transparent, understand their pain points and work along with them to solve their pain points. I mean, In short, you have to dirty your hands. There is no shortcut in healthcare, Anirban. That that must come from me. Yeah, this is my experience.
0: So I guess that was really very interesting that there is absolutely no shortcut, right? You have to do some of the basic things right and you have to do again and again and you learn from it. But again, I guess the... If there is one shortcut that sort of works is basically talking to people who are successful and learning what really worked versus didn't work for them. So I guess by now, I'm just curious because it might be true, it might not be true. But if when you are talking about stakeholders from a very different background and you are trying to understand their biggest pain points which might be very different, might be very, how to say, you have to understand maybe the societal structure to even understand the pain point. So do you have some sort of calibrated set of questions that you have developed by now? Or is it really you you go case by case basis?
1: Very straight with you, Anirvan. We go case by case basis. And we are very surprised that, you know, I would not say that 100% it's different, it matches, it matches, it, it cannot be possible that everything is so different that you have to every time create it matches like say, but say, for example, it matches 20 to 30% or even less than that. But otherwise, every other thing is customized and we have to really see like, you know, what's their readiness, where they are standing right now in terms of technology, what is their understanding You know, and we have to work around it. Okay, it's not that easy. You know, digital transformation as a word comes very easy, but the cultural transformation is the hardest part. You know, you have to get in the buy-ins. Buy-ins is are the hardest part, and until you involve people, okay, trust me, there's not gonna be any buy-in. I have seen in my career some of the most fascinating technologies thrown out of the flows. You know, because it was not accepted by the front lines. Okay. So the, the again, as I said, co-creation, you have to involve the people who are knowledgeable about their own processes. They know they are the they're the closest to us to their processes. They know the best. Okay. And uh, without process rectification, going for any automation is, is foolishness, I guess. Okay. So it's you have to work with people. As I said, it's a tough task and you have to invest your time you have to commit yourself. You have to commit and you have to keep the promises that as a company, when you start and, you know, you start the conversation, you do some promise as a company, right? Like we will focus on these KPIs and we'll get you these ROIs. So you have to stick to those, you know, you have to put in a lot of effort to stick to those, Anurban, It's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that. that's
0: really fascinating. I guess uh, yeah. uh, uh, two things that was really uh, like, basically, if you are trying to understand the pain point, I guess you have to be a great listener, right? So if if you are not really listening and yep. deciphering between the lines, what they're trying to say, it's it's very difficult. And that's, of course, then case by case basis, you can't yep. have a formula for solving it. Yep. Yep. And yeah, I guess also the fact that I have a, like a lot of the listeners of AI Ready Healthcare coming from the technology background where we love to stay at our office and write our code <laughs> and, and you are giving us a very hard time in that sense yeah. that you are saying okay that that don't work now you have to go out yeah. and see there is a real world out
1: there yes you have to and have I, have to. I would like to just uh, tell something here and even since you have brought this just one minute most of the time, these fresh graduates they'll come to me and they're like, uh, I, I I I find it very interesting, and I'm very happy to hear that from them. You know, hey, you know what, uh, Dr. Monica and Monica, we want to change healthcare. We have this concept, we have this. I just ask them one simple question: Have you ever walked a hospital floor? <laughs> and the simple answer comes, no. I was like, okay, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so that's that's the thing, and when you have to. Smell the the floors, you know. Have to smell the floors if you want to rectify it. It's not that easy, as I said in my experience. It's not that easy. Okay, this is my experience. Again, other entrepreneurs might have some different views or something, but in my experience, it's 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 a tough job, and you have to have a full time commitment to those changes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think this is something where most of the people who are really successful uh, reiterated it again and again that. Unless you are talking to people, unless you are going and seeing how they work, you are not going to innovate their way of doing things if you don't see it first. So, absolutely, can't agree with you more. And I think our listeners can benefit greatly from your insights, Monica. So, sort of a traditional question in our podcast as well. So, uh, now, you have seen almost a decade of digital transformation, not just only in India, but across the globe. So in the next five years, where do you envision the entire digital health ecosystem of, let's say, India and the other parts of the world is heading? Where, Where do we see the most sort of interesting developments coming along?
1: Yeah, it's a good one, really. Okay. Predicting the future. Let's see. We will we'll seriously come back to this podcast and see like you know if the things <laughs> what i predicted right now is going to be true but yes on a serious note uh, i think india if if we talk about india it has all the essential elements for aggressive growth in this sector on urban okay uh, we have all the things here you know we have huge population to serve which is like waiting for actually accessible affordable you know quality healthcare services and Again, where I started in India, I must say healthcare is still not a luxury for us. That's the truth. Okay. But it's, it's an urgent necessity for all of us. Okay. And again, when I say India, it's not just a handful of Taiwan cities, but the whole, you know, urban, rural, everything is included. And I think better healthcare for all is possible if we leverage correctly, rightly, the power of digital technologies. Okay. Again, as I said, it's not the best of the technology or the latest of the technology, but the technology which makes most sense as far as the adoption is concerned, as far as the deployment is concerned. You know, we need to build feasible I- ICT strategy and framework. A lot has been done already. You must be knowing about NDHM and you know all the areas that it's covering as of now. Okay. And again, It's a huge country. It's a big country, huge population. Okay. We need to focus on, you know, this population health and, you know, the basic technologies that can support, uh, you know, population health, building blocks. Already I have uh, said you and healthcare is a big thing. Okay. It's not possible by just one stakeholder in the system. If government says that they are, they will do, it's not possible. If private stakeholder says that we will change the scenario, not possible. Startups say is not possible. Pharmaceuticals say is not possible. So it's a collaborative approach. And I think uh, all the stakeholders must come together for this collaborative approach. And already we have seen such a success in the COVID, the, how we dealt as a country with COVID. I think there needs to be more support in terms of frugal innovation. And you know, we need to keep a tab on, you know, the adoption rates also from the consumer side, from provider side. And, you know, one thing that's little i must not say that it's slower but i think we need to ramp this up okay it's like evidence building you know research pilot you know research is very much uh, required here you know where we focus on health equity digital literacy you know so so something like that and recent surveys if we take some numbers you know already it's forecasted that you know most of the healthcare systems in india are aiming to increase their investment in digital health tools uh, in the coming years okay so that's a good news india is a tech Oh, laden country, okay, everywhere it's tech, you know, we throw tech kind of, okay, you come to Bangalore and you see you know, the, 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 the whole city is teaming up with, you know, the tech, okay, not just Bangalore, other cities as well, you know, even if you go to the rural part, tier two, tier three cities, you know, the companies are directly hiring engineers and they're sitting there and they're doing some kind of, you know, technology work. So I think everything is there, the government is applying digital health developments through Ayushman Bharat, digital missions, etc., we have a robust pharma background, you know, medical supply chain, a lot of smartphone users and technical manpower. So, I, I think that everything says that there is a positive trend, on urban. And I think uh, Indian innovators are developing path breaking health tech products and solutions, not just in India, but you can see it around the world. I think what matters the most, I would end my talk with this, is the right policies the political will to improve people's health that's very very important you know continuous commitment as i said it's not an easy task you have to really commit yourself either at the central level state level you know for primary healthcare tertiary healthcare secondary healthcare all the levels you have to have the commitment and one one of the things since we are adopting it now we have to learn a lot from other countries with respect to the successes that they have achieved with the digital transformation and not just the success but also you know from the failures of those countries and so that we do not repeat that while keeping our current system in mind yeah i think that's the thing to go ahead
0: yeah that's that's really amazing so what you are saying in summary is that we have the essentials for sort of an exponential growth at least in india for the coming next 5 years or so the technology sort of we are a country who is really Embracing technology at the societal level, we don't have that problem. And then, of course, there are strong pharma. And then, of course, clinical interest is also there. But the things where you would like to see more focus is one part is the research part to see which sort of like the evidence of what type of digital technology is actually bringing more values and then uh, policy based support for frugal innovation of course but also in a in a long term dis- like basically uh, dec- deciding what really success looks like and what sort of sticks and carrots you need to adjust around that so that as a country you are going towards that that sort of a final thing i really yeah. hope that that would be true in the, in the next five years and in the, India will shine up as one of the successes in digital health.
1: Before you wrap this up, uh, I did not mention data protection and all, uh, because I think that's by default in healthcare. That need not be even mentioned, okay? That's by default in healthcare. So yeah, that strong data protection acts and laws are also very important in terms of the digitization, okay? So that also needs to be kept in mind while the government draws the policies and you know uh, it has to consider it that's also very important yeah over to you thank you
0: absolutely no that's really i guess at the core of all the digital innovation and any innovation basically is happening in the in the healthcare so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to see such a balanced yet fascinating future in the coming five years or so where we finally see the digital infrastructure is bringing access to healthcare to the billions and where I would say AI sort of is something that can play a role as a technology. And then we have the infrastructure, which is finally ready for bringing uh, the most value from AI. So yeah, on that note, thank you so much uh, for your time, Monica, and I really wish you and your company Health Innovation Toolbox play a great role there. Thank you so
1: much, Anirban. It was a pleasure talking to you. I'm honored to be on this podcast and thank you for your best wishes and all the best wishes from my end for this uh, hugely valuable podcast that you conduct. It's very important that uh, people like you, you know, keep on bridging the gap between the different stakeholders in the ecosystem. So thank you so much and have a good day. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you too. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.